this was fun. And then guess what we did afterwards? We went to the playground, right? Like she trusted me to do both. It was great. She was a no, but then she considered, do I want to stay a no? And then she moved to a yes. And it was awesome. Like the yes of joy, not considered that much. Like just, yep, yep, yep. Like Zoe, no, she considers the no. She often stays at the no. Like getting her to the yes is hard, but it's like a real yes. This is like the stuff of our lives. I was in a Bible study this week, a college Bible study uh, that I'm uh, helping lead and facilitate. And we meet weekly and we've met weekly like since the pandemic, but we were doing scheduling and it's like, hey, when do you want to meet? And all of a sudden, even though we've been meeting weekly, like we became like the human like version of the stressed out emoji. People are like, when? Like what day? Like what, what part of my time will be taken? This is a commitment we've made, but somehow we kind of like just changed a little bit, right? There's something about saying yes and making that yes concrete and practical that just kind of scares us. Saying yes is core to being part of the church, being part of God's people. Last week, we started a new series, Living Letters, Biblical Roots of Vineyard Values. Vineyard is the church movement that we belong to. And we're exploring the five core values of this church, uh, the, the people of the kingdom. We're exploring how the people of the kingdom partner with the Holy Spirit, reconcile with God and all creation, engage in uh, compassionate ministry, pursue culturally relevant mission in the world. And last week we started with this one. We are people of the kingdom who experience and worship God. And today we're doing something a little bit different. We're not moving on to the next value. We're actually looking at a value that's a vineyard saying that is underneath all of these values. It's the value of saying yes what it means to be a person and a people and a church and a movement who value saying yes. Not, not yup, right? But like a yes that often has like considered saying no, maybe even said no, but then moves to yes. And remember last week, I said that we need to at some point receive an invitation from Jesus. We can experience God, we can worship God, but at some point in that experience of worship, Jesus is gonna become real to us and we'll have to say Yes, we want to be here with you, God. Yes, we want to hear from you. Like there's a challenge, not just worship and experience, but there's actually a challenge to say yes to God's invitation. And that's where we are right now, even in this part of our service. We can say yes to what God's going to do uh, during this message, during the rest of our time in worship and prayer. So let's pray together that we would have hearts that would say yes, even right now. God, thanks so much. Uh, that you are calling us to yes, that you want it to be considered, you want it to be weighed, but you do want it. And not just in one area of our lives, but in all of them. You're a God that values us saying yes with our whole hearts. So Lord, would you do that in our midst? Get us ready, be present with us, ask us the question, and then give us courage to say a wholehearted yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week I told a story about some of the founders of the Vineyard Movement, Carol Wimber, John Wimber, and how the movement really started in a small living room as they said yes to intimacy with God and moved from people that were just talking about God to people who were talking to God, daring to believe that they could be present to God and God would be present to them. And it turns out when you do that, you don't just keep doing that. Like their way of doing it was kind of like through intimate worship and music. They didn't just like stay in a room worshiping. Like that kind of would have been awkward, right? Like, yes, you know, 40 years later, ooh, that song is still good. Like we're still there, just like the same 11 people. I'm not sure if that would work, right? 
But it, it turns out when you do that kind of deep worship where you're speaking to God, you don't stay the same. You don't just keep playing music. The song changes. You change. You are transformed. And God asks you questions. And God even calls you to do things like obey. One yes leads to another. And our yeses go deeper as we follow Jesus. Their first yes was to sing to God, not about God. But then they had more yeses to come. For this early vineyard community, the next yes looked like offering the mercy they experienced in worship in the form of praying for other people. They were doing this dangerous thing, this scary thing called reading the Bible. And when they read the Bible, what did they see specifically? The New Testament. They saw this Jesus who healed, who delivered, who set people free. And they said, do we do those things? Do we know that Jesus, this Jesus they're now singing to? And Jesus challenged them to say, that's who I am today. That's not just what I've done. It's what I'm doing. And they were scared, scared out of their mind because all of a sudden they weren't just being called to sing anymore. They were being called to act even outside of that living room, to take risks that God would heal their bodies, their minds, their souls. It was a scary yes, and it was a yes where they didn't know what the outcome would be. Now, I love worship, and I love musical worship, but usually here we start a song, and what else do we do? We finish a song, and usually we do it once, maybe twice, maybe, but we kind of know we're singing together. When you start to pray for someone, even if it's a friend, maybe even a close friend, and you're wondering, can I pray for you? And they're like, like encouragement? Like, no, like, you're sick. Can I pray for you? All of a sudden, we're in some different worlds, aren't we, right? We can't just like end with like, you know, the last verse or maybe end with the chorus. We end with, in Jesus' name, amen. How are you feeling now? That's a little riskier. And that's what they felt Jesus was calling them to do. So they grumbled. They asked questions, but they finally obeyed. And guess what happened as they did that? Nothing. <laughs> For a while. Like nothing at all. I guess their community just kind of like, again, it was in that smaller living room. So maybe they just were like, cool, like this is what we do. We like ask for prayer, for healing. And like God doesn't do anything. Like it's not exactly like musical worship. Musical worship is more fun. But like I guess that's what God's asking us to do. And then one, I think it was John Wimber's son was healed. And then two, and then three, and then nothing <laughs> for like eight months. And actually they reported as they prayed, like people actually got worse, not better. But finally, as they kind of were persistent and pressed into this, they actually saw a lot more of God's activity. They saw refreshment. They saw hope. And yes, they did see physical healing. And it became like the talk of the town, not just for their church, but for other churches. Like Catholic churches said, hey, can we come and learn what you're doing? Anglican churches, can we come and learn? Evangelical churches, can we come and learn from you? More churches coming together to see what God was up to. And eventually, something that started in the living room of California moved all the way even to the East Coast. The Elanders who are here in the back, they founded a church in 1986 in New Haven, the New Haven Vineyard, because they had saw God stream in California and said, I, th I think the East Coast can like, it can work, right? You can take a plane or a train or automobile and come here and the same stuff should work. And it did over and over again. It wasn't enough for the small group to say yes to worship. Jesus asked them to say yes to something else too. And then, you know what? It was something else after that. And then something else. The yeses happened again and again. They got deeper and deeper around different things. This is what it means to say yes, even when it's obedience, even when it's a costlier way. Our yes goes deeper with Jesus. 
And this costly obedience, it's the way of the church. Clearly, the vineyard doesn't have a market on this. Our church doesn't have a market on this. This is what we're asked to do by God. It's how the church is even here right now in New Haven, in America, in 2021, because people said yes. And out of that yes, we've benefited. Paul, a famous and ancient church planner, talks about this way of responding, giving God our generous yes. And in this scripture I'm about to read in 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about people cheerfully giving resources. But we know for us it's resources, it's time, it's service, it's the work of our hearts. And I want you to listen with me as I read this part of 2 Corinthians. It says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love all of this, but I love it one part specifically. Each of you should give what you have decided, what you've intended to, like what you made up your mind to do, and to not to do that reluctantly. Oftentimes, when I'm deciding something, it's about what I'm reluctantly deciding. I'm like, oh, I have to do something, right? So I'm reluctant in how I do it. Or I'm actually under compulsion, some duty, right? It can resonate with my daughter, Zoe. Perhaps this is one of the reasons why we're alike, right? But it says here, God loves a cheerful giver, not just spontaneous, right? But a cheerful giver that decides to give time, money, resources, our hearts, a decision that comes from a yes that we make in our hearts. God wants our decision to say yes, to be cheerful. There can actually be a joy in saying yes, it's greater than our fear. And as you think about your decision to move towards God with service, I wonder, have you sowed sparingly or generously? Even in this COVID-19 pandemic season of our lives together, have you sowed sparingly? Have you sowed generously? Right, we would understand if anyone sowed sparingly in this season. It's been a season of withdrawal, of checking in. What do I have? What do I need? I don't know who of you shared your toilet paper early on in the pandemic. I won't ask you to. I won't ask you to do a hand. Like, you don't need to show the receipts. But there were times where we really did withdraw in, right? But beyond that season, maybe the last five years or ten years, can you think about your life? Is it marked by a generous sowing? Or is that more sparing for you? You know, was that an automatic yes? Was it out of compulsion? Or did you really weigh some of these yeses in this last season? Did you decide to move in the spirit of yes with God? It says here in the scripture that God blesses those decisions. He gives us what we need, even if it requires trust from us, that God will give to us, that our yes won't come just at pure cost that hurts, but that we would see God do even more than we can imagine. And it's not that our yes is just individual, like it's just all about us answering individually, because it has an impact on our community and beyond. Paul continues in the scripture, the service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expression of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. I love that compares our giving, our service, our time with the gospel, the good news of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. 
And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's clear that God's calling us individually, but also us corporately. So where is God calling you to say yes, even in a costly way? Perhaps it's a yes that actually comes from another yes. You thought you were done. You thought you had said it once. You thought you were over with this. And then God says, hey, one more. You're like, no. I mean, yes. Like if you actually believe that, if you've decided that. A yes, it's deeper. And a yes, it will affect more people around you. And remember, maybe a yes that actually is an invitation to saying yes in the face of fear. Even if it's a yes, it has more unknowns attached to it. This is a community, Elm City Vineyard, that's taught me how to say yes. If you remember a few weeks ago, I shared a story. I know it's home group fair tonight, so this is like confession season. I shared a story of being like, I don't know, home group really? And then I did go. And then I actually just stopped going, kind of like just, you know, the little meme where it's like uh, the Simpson, it kind of goes back in the, in, the, in the bush. That's how I'd, I was. I was like, let me just, you know. And I stopped going for a while. But then I said yes again. And those simple yeses, those ordinary yeses, literally changed my life. Yeses to stay engaged, to stay involved. Ordinary yeses in those first years of ECV, where I went from an attendee to someone who was preaching a few times, to someone who was ECV's first intern, and then to a pastor. One yes led to another. In 2011, there was a big yes to marry my wife, Tina. It was a great yes, great decision. And we also decided to live in the Kensington neighborhood of New Haven. Now, we were serving a church uh, foreign with the homeless at the time, and they heard about that plan. The, the Tina plan, they're like, cool, good call, that's great. But the plan to move to Kensington, they were like, what are you doing? This is dumb. I thought you loved God. I thought you loved the person that's going to be your wife. What, like, this is a dangerous neighborhood. We know this neighborhood. Like, why are you moving there? And we kind of share what we felt like God was calling us to. And they're just like, we, this doesn't make sense to us. But there's a way that I can look back at that decision and say, that yes was from God. For Tina, for me, for more than, I think, nine other people in our community at ECV that decided to move there. Because that was a scary yes at the time. Like, that neighborhood was uh, known for being dangerous, uh, known for gang violence. But we sensed that God might be doing something to change that. And recently, uh, our community, we gave, uh, I think, more than $600 to Miss Lisa, who leads uh, a daycare there. And, you know, she's been in the papers recently saying, like, the neighborhood is different. Like, it has changed. Like, she put a daycare there to say, there's something worth going to as a parent. There's something worth going to for kids. But she knew that she was doing that in fear and trembling at first. But she said, over the last 10 years, it's gotten better. Kids, like, actually play in the streets, not just in their apartments. They don't just kind of shuttle back and forth to the, the child care center, but there's play in between because God actually did something. God honored that yes, even when it was scary, a yes that impacted a whole community. Miss Lisa, us, kids that we knew actually dropped uh, their selling of drugs, dropped their guns for something different. A yes just didn't impact Tina and me, didn't just impact Miss Lisa or those young lives, but all of us in this community. In 2014, I had one of more, my more challenging decisions. I was feeling the Lord call Tina and me to start something new. And we thought that maybe would be a church plant. And we wondered where it could be. We thought New York City. 
was pretty exciting. Uh, I remember one elder was like, young people thinking like New York City is exciting. Like, is this like the beginning of a musical or is this like the call of God? I'm like, it's, it's both maybe? I don't know, like Tina can sing, like I'm okay. Uh, but we were excited to start something new, but it was in a season of like significant leadership transitions. And I wondered, wouldn't it just make more sense? This is gonna be a complicated season for the church. We can just kind of sneak out and then like, you know, pray and bless and like we'll get, you know, visits later and we'll, we'll hear what happens, right? And so I met with some of the elders and they were like, what are you like what are you thinking like we need you here like it would be so helpful if you prayed with us if you like contributed your leadership to this time and i didn't know what was on the other side of that it felt so costly to say yes to stay but through literal tears of mine i was like uh god i think you're calling me to do that i was not a cheerful giver that day i was not a cheerful saying yes sir that day but it felt like it was right and i got to a place where god uh showed me that more and more and then we were just waiting. And it wasn't clear what God was doing in our lives, in ECV. And then through a variety of circumstances that involved the Holy Spirit and community and discernment, uh, it was discerned and kind of decided that I would become like the next lead pastor of our community. That was seven years ago. And it turns out that I had to wait. I had to trust. I had to say yes, even with the unknowns. And on the other side of that was a calling. My yes to God in that moment looked like saying no to my preferred plans, my preferred timeline. But as it turns out, it was a yes that was in the face of fear with incomplete information, but one that bore fruit for others. Seven years. It's been the joy of my life to serve this community as we've lamented together, celebrated together, things in our lives, situations in our families, things going on in the city and the nation for God to use us, our congregation, to bless the wider movement of churches here in New Haven, but also in the vineyard. And since becoming lead pastor of this community, those times to say yes have kept coming. A few years ago, I was asked to serve on the vineyard's executive team, the kind of senior leadership team of the movement. And just last year, I was asked to serve on the national reorganization team for our movement, where we were exploring how could the vineyard keep saying yes? How could the vineyard not say, hey, 20 movement, 20 years with John Wimber, this founder, 20 years without, we're going to just call it quits, we're done. But how could we go another 20 years? This thing that started in the living room, how could it keep going across the globe? And one way that they want, uh, wanted to keep the sacred gift of saying yes was doing it at all, all levels, from here in a local church to an area, to a region, to the nation. And so our team went to work creating job descriptions for this new movement that would be led into the future. And one job was called Associate National Director for Evangelism and Justice. That was a job that was talked about, was kind of like, can we do this or not? And for me, this was such a, a dream to be in the room where this was happening because uh, one of my dreams and one of my kind of like uh, hopes was uh, that the vineyard, who had kind of started by saying yes in musical worship, and then saying yes to praying for healing would like keep extending that yes to the point where we were like in the streets saying yes, saying like, let's pray for these neighborhoods that maybe it's not where our church movement started. Maybe the color of the skin is different than the people that were in the first living room, but can we keep saying yes? And for me, that was an intuitive thought, but it turns out it wasn't intuitive for everyone else in the room. I was like, but wait, can't we just keep saying yes this way? Like in our cities, like, can we keep doing that? Like with justice? Like, my heart was breaking for that. And it was weird sometimes to think, like, isn't this the next? And then it didn't happen. So you can imagine my surprise when in a meeting where we were presenting these positions, they were like, everything sounds great, except 
that one position. I was like, which one? They're like, that evangelism and justice one. I'm like, no. And they're like, they just don't go together. Like evangelism and justice? What? Like, what is that? How could those go together? I'm like, it's so clear to me. I didn't say that out loud. Um, and then someone from Kentucky was like, guys, I'm from the South. We don't need more Christians in name only. Have you looked outside? Have you looked at the papers? We need people to have a commitment to love of neighbor, to love of justice, and for them to see that coming from their faith in Jesus. And I was like, preach! Wait, did I do that? Like, did I, did I scream in the room? I didn't. It was happening in my heart. Uh, and I, I realized, man, I really care about this. And at that same meeting, our, our national director kind of saw what was happening in the room as people were kind of thinking, these positions are cool, but they feel far from us. And it feels like maybe like we'll have pastors that are 70 years old that are retiring and maybe they'll take these positions. And this guy, Phil Stroud, just courageously said to us, no, you guys need to pray about this. You guys need to discern this. And then he read this quote that's destroyed me then and it still destroys me now. And it's from the same guy, John Wimber, that was you know in the living room worshiping God. It says this, the economy of the kingdom of God is quite simple. Every new step in the kingdom costs us everything we have gained to date. Every time we cross a new threshold, it costs us everything we now have. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we have accumulated up to that point. It costs us our life. A disciple is always ready to take the next step. If there is anything that characterizes Christian maturity, it is the willingness to become a beginner again for Jesus Christ. It is the willingness to put our hand in his hand and say, I'm scared to death, but I'll go with you. You're the pearl of great price. My heart was pierced when I heard that. And I asked for the first time this question, like, what if I'm actually called to this role? What if God is asking for my yes? And I prayed and I discerned and God spoke to me. But if you guys have discerned big decisions, it was in that kind of like beautiful but annoying way that's not practical at all, but it's like God speaking to your heart. It's like, God, come on, God, we need answers here. But instead, God was like, Josh, you're an evangelist. You're a champion for justice. And that's true no matter what you do. Josh, you desire to serve the local church and to see local fruit to make a, a bigger, even national impact. Josh, you want to bless your family and your church, and that pleases me. And eventually in my discernment, I got stuck. You know, there's this guy named St. Ignatius that has a whole way of discerning decisions. I'd really recommend, like, reading up on it, learning about it. That's all through desire. But I realized I desire, like, uh, to still be here. I desire to still be a pastor of ECV. I desire this thing that God might be doing. And I, I just couldn't get uh, unstuck. But again, remember, Jesus invites us to say yes in the face of fear. Uh, and at ECV, uh, fear was made kind of normal for me. Maybe you resonate with that. There's some things you were afraid of at first. Maybe it was singing, you know, on the worship team. Maybe it was going to a home group. Maybe it was meeting outside with uh, party bikes and motorbikes and bikes, bicyclists that would come and then, you know, shout at us, right? I started to be like, yeah, those things are pretty fearful at times. But they were kind of made normal through you all. Through us being courageous together, I was less afraid. Um, as I thought about this other role... Uh, my fear was more palpable. I've never done something like this. Could I do it? Am I called? Would I even get the job? And eventually I recalled this value that we have in our community of saying yes. Saying yes even if our voice is trembling. Saying yes even when we don't feel qualified. Saying yes not because it was our idea but because we feel God is whispering to us. Like we feel already invited into this moment beyond our own decision making. We feel like somehow God has kind of ushered us in and said, do you want this? 
And how often has it been in your lives that God's offered you something? Do you want this? And it's something we don't even have. Right? God, that, that's mean, actually, to say. Do you want this bigger dream? Do you want this job? Do you want these friendships? And God's asked us something of, do we desire it before it's even in our grasp? But it's because God's training our hearts. And when I turned down the volume on my fear, I saw that there was joy in the yes that I didn't see before. So I, I, I did apply for this role in May with the support of Tina. I told the staff and the city elders in the know, and we waited. And you guys know what's happened this summer. As we waited, like amazing staff people left, right? Not for this decision, not for this reason, but like people were going on to their next thing, their next yes. And we still waited, wondering what would happen. And two Tuesdays ago, I finally got the news that I did get the role, and they gave me like a limited time. They're like, you have three days to say yes to this. I'm like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> so I prayed again, like with Tina, prayed again with my girls, like talked to a few more people. But I felt like that time where I realized this is where my fear is but it's also where the yes is. This is where I'm so scared, but it's where I need obedience. This is where I don't know things, but I feel like God is still calling me. And that week I signed to be the first Associate National Director of Evangelism and Justice for the Vineyard. So this is big news for us. I just wanna say a few more things and then actually talk more about you because for some people this is your first time, you're like, I don't even know who you are. Like, thanks for sharing your story. But like, I kind of am excited what God's saying to me. So can you get back to that? Don't worry. We'll get back in like one second. I'm aware your yes is very important. It, it actually is. Like, it starts things, right? So it's big news for us. So I just want to share uh, two, three more important details. One is this position is remote. So I'll get to stay in New Haven. My family will get to stay in New Haven. Uh, you know, Sinclair's excited about that. Uh, uh, but it is full time. And so for a community like ours, it's focused on emotional health, boundaries, rest. I know right now if I said, I'm going to do both, like someone would just come up and just tackle me. And I don't know if the sound system would work. I don't know if I would work. But that's like the value we have of like trying to be like reasonable human beings before the Lord. So like I'm not going to do that. Um, you, <laughs> I'm not, you shouldn't, well, never mind. It was a joke. It was a bad joke. Just like you can clap for that too. But I was like, you don't have to. But boundaries, right? They're actually good. So I'm not going to do both. Uh, and that means some, some things for us. Uh, and I start this job in June. So the good news is we still have a full ministry year together. The hours will increase during the year, but um, I'm still the pastor here, the lead pastor here. And there's still things to be shepherded on, pastoring through, uh, and that's what we're going to do here. Uh, in the role, I'm going to be doing so much of what we've enjoyed at ECV. You know, things like promoting Alpha, a course about how to follow Jesus that we're doing, that you'll hear more about the home group fair, responding to things that happen in our city and our nation, and the way that sometimes we've responded and the vineyards pick those up. I think more things will happen like that, and I'll need your help with that. I'll want your help with that. Uh, ways that we started prison Bible studies, uh, churches for people who are living outside, neighborhood ministries. We'll be equipping people to do that, like at every area of the vineyard, every region of the vineyard, every nation. Actually, one of the things I'm most excited about is, like, can we launch prison Bible studies, like, all throughout the nation, like, as the vineyard? Like, that will be so good. If you've been to a prison Bible studies, so many of them are about, like, you should do this and do that. Some people that uh, serve with us know, like, wow, these prison Bible studies, they've been very rule-focused. I think this could be a group of people that need to hear the mercy of God, the compassion of Jesus worshiping God. We're going to do that. But uh, I want you to pray for me for sure. But I do think there's something for us in this, beyond just kind of bearing with it, right? I think there's more. I think there's yeses that God wants us to give as well. Remember what I said after we looked at the scripture together? One person's yes means something for others. 
And if I'm saying yes to something God is putting in front of me, I believe that there's something God has been putting in front of you to say yes to, that he actually has real things. And some of those things might be connected to this transition and the season, but also know it just matters for community to be in obedience unto the Lord. That pleases God. And I think as we move in that way in this season, God will be blessed and we will be blessed. I think you guys have already been doing that. Some of us here who are part of live stream ECV, there was no one that could see your yes besides maybe your roommate that was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you singing in that language? This is crazy. Or maybe your kid was climbing on top of you and you're like, can I raise my hands now or will my kid fall off? Like, it was hard to say yes in live stream, but you all did it. I believe God deepened uh, us as we said goodbye to amazing staff who helped us love our youth, our kids, and our city. And yet we're still the people God's calling to serve and to love each of those groups. I believe God's been readying us as we came back together after a long winter live stream and we saw each other and we said, who are you? I don't know everyone here anymore. We know there's people who were here before the pandemic. There's people who joined during the pandemic. And yes, some people that are here just the last few weeks. And we're ready to worship God together, to say yes to one another and to community. Again, shout out to the home group there that's happening later on. God's been challenging us to be the church and not just wait for warmer weather to worship, but to try our best with the live stream, right? God's been challenging us to be the church and not wholly depend on a staff that I do think is amazing. And yet again, we're called to that work ourselves as lay leaders. And those people would rather join you any, rather you join them anyway in the work instead of just doing it for you. God's been challenging us to be the church and not wait just for whenever the pandemic ends to take next step in community building. But he wants us to do that now, safely, wisely, but to get to know one another now, not to wait for God knows when, even amidst uncertainty. God's asking our community to say yes, and God has specific invitations for us. As we begin to wrap up, I just want to share a few of what I feel like those specific invitations are. One is to say yes in the season to a pre-made decision for community and for connection. We know we need that. We've been through a pandemic. We've been through isolation. But also, it's your first fall that feels a little bit more, maybe not normal, but possible. You guys are seeing the evening calendar fill up, right? And one of the questions might be, do I put a home group in that again? Do I put something other than just church on Sundays again? And I want to challenge you. Make a pre-made decision for connection community. Thanks for coming here. I hope you keep coming here. This is great. I love Sundays on the Green. But there's other kinds of connection for you, as Patrick was talking about earlier. Make a decision even now. I'm going to do that. There's ones that meet once a week, different days, once a month. Choose what works for you, but then commit to it. Don't do what I did and drop off, right? Or if you do that, come back, right? God loves someone who comes back. The other thing is we can't just say no to bad things generally. Uh, you guys might know this week uh, was our 21st homicide of New Haven, more than all of last year. And we can't just say no to a bad thing. We have to say yes to doing something. We have to say yes to Jesus. You know, for some of us that don't know what that could mean, we could actually just say yes to praying every day, right? Praying when we remember. That'd be great. But also, there's even other things we're doing. I'm not sure if Erica's here, but there's a woman, Erica, who's doing a, a, a group on Monday nights at 530, working with young people in the Fairhaven neighborhood that has had a lot of violence. And she's just inviting people to come and just to receive the love of God, to sing songs together and get to know people. It's out of that knowledge that she knew actually the people who were connected to the shooting of, of Tai Tai, who's a 14-year-old who was killed two weeks ago. 
She knew the family, so she brought them together last Wednesday. A few of us were there worshiping with their families, praying with them. And then a few other people came that weren't connected to that prayer effort. But if you have seen young people in these times, they're basically gathering around the site where Tai Tai was killed as if it was a grave and as if his ghost was going to come back and they could just hang. Unfortunately, I know this too well. I've seen this before in New Haven. And Eric and I were able to just talk with them, pray with them, give them a little bit of hope and encouragement. And Erica is developing some new ways of connecting with them to say, let's keep get, kind of keep coming into community because they're trying to do that, right? By being there and kind of just waiting, again, almost for him to come back. But they need a new invitation, one of life, right? And so Erica's doing some of that. You can talk to her. Email me, josh at elmcityvineyard.org if you want to know more about that. But also, you have your own neighborhoods. You have your own ability to prayer walk, your own ability to look at the newspaper and say, I know this is crazy, but can I go to this neighbor and can I pray? Can I reach out to a family? ECV actually is going to be doing a, a new way of connecting with families and also marking when there's homicides in our city. Daniqua, who I was a pastor here at ECV, and I designed kind of a, a new way for us to vigil for peace. So in the next few weeks, it's going to be rolling out. And so that's a way that we can connect to God in this. And also, I believe there's ways we're going to be able to say yes to God, even in this transition. God wants us to be all hands on deck, not out of urgency, not out of panic, but out of a wholehearted devotion to what God is up to in our community and out of excitement of what is to come. I want to read this John Wimber quote one more time. I'm not sure if you guys are being ministered to the same way it's ministering to me, but hey, here's one more time. If it, if it didn't hit you the first time, maybe it'll hit you now. Then I actually want to invite up Tracy, our lead elder at ECV, and Patrick, who are going to share some other ways to say yes in the season. I'm going to come up uh, again and do communion. So one last time. The economy of the kingdom of God is quite simple. Every new step in the kingdom costs us everything we have gained to date. Every time we cross a new threshold, it costs us everything we now have. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we've accumulated up to that point. It cost us our life. A disciple is always ready to take the next step. If there is anything that characterizes Christian maturity, it is the willingness to become a beginner again for Jesus Christ. It is a willingness to put our hand in his hand and say, I'm scared to death, but I'll go with you. You're the pearl of great price. Whether this is your first Sunday or you can't even count, whether you know me well or not, whether you've been in this community for a while or not, I believe that even if you're scared to death, Jesus is calling you to some things to say yes to. And I believe that through a work of his spirit, you are starting to know what those things are. I really do. And we're going to have a time of prayer later where God can press into this. And again, it might be completely unrelated to everything I've shared. And yet I know God's still working in you and through you. And there's a yes God's asking you to say, uh, to be open to cheerfully, without compulsion. And it's about specific things in your life. That yes is connected to others. That yes still works even if you don't know things. And that yes will lead to other yeses and other yeses. I'm going to invite Tracy to come up and share some more of ours in the season. And then Patrick. Give it up for Tracy, who's the lead elder in this season. Woo! Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, so I'm Tracy, lead elder. Um, just as of a few, like a month or so ago, um, so I've been an elder for the last two years, but um, right around when I came on, the lead elder stepped off. Um, it was just her time to go, like her tenure was over. Um, and ever since, there actually hasn't been a lead elder. Um, and then given what Josh just shared, um, 
there's just a lot going on in our church. And so our elder team was, we basically gathered and said, we definitely need a lead elder for this year um, and beyond. And uh, I, <laughs> I feel like it was wonderful to listen to Josh's sermon and be like, there were a lot of easy yeses in some of his um, uh, stories, anecdotes. Um, there were also some hard yeses. And I identified way too much with uh, Zoe's hard no about things and then just learning to trust. And so um, when it was like, do you want to volunteer for this role? I said, nope. <laughs> um, nope, I don't. Um, the short version is that I'm just going through a season that's really hard and there's a lot going on personally and globally. And anyway, there's just a lot that has been affecting me in capacity and in ability. And um, so it just felt like an obvious, like this is impossible. Like I will continue to serve this church because I love it. Um, not in this extra heightened capacity. Um, it's funny how God speaks to you when, <laughs> uh, pretty quickly when you say no to a thing that maybe you're supposed to say yes to. Um, so thank you, Jesus, for like speaking to us and like being kind. Um, because like an hour later, I was like at home still saying no, just like, yeah, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to do this. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and I just heard, you can do this. I think you can actually, like you have um, like the skills and ability to do this well. And also it's gonna be good for you. Um, yeah, and I feel like the kindness and the encouragement of those words were just like, it. I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't an audible voice, but this idea that like, it wasn't for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm convincing myself now to do this. Um, it felt very much like a conviction, but also like a encouragement to step into something new in this season. Something that like, maybe I didn't know what capacity looked like, but I'm just gonna trust in it. It's just like a leap of faith, um, which a lot of life is. Um, so the cool thing about saying no and then saying yes, um, at least in my experience, was that within like a day, um, all and then for at least a little bit of time after it hasn't been all like roses or anything um but um i would say that it just felt so obvious that god was working in that um using the areas of insecurity and maybe inability to show me like what he can do so i am actually an uh, i'm a painter i'm an artist um, professionally and so you would think that like all the time i'm just like creative 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 and it's not necessarily true <laughs> Um, I would like to be, but it's not necessarily true. But I felt like within the first week of feeling like I have more responsibility, I have more things on my plate, how do I do this? Like I'd be in studio doing my job and I would just get new ideas and excitement to like work. And I don't know, just kind of just like God inspiring um, and being really a blessing in that hard yes. Um, and then definitely for uh, being the lead elder and then just serving the church, I've just been seeing like, um, kind of like a, a, a spring in my step, but like I'm just really excited. Um, I'm excited to do the work. Um, I'm invigorated, uh, <laughs> even though I'm tired, I'm invigorated. There's just a lot there where I'm just like, God, you're really sustaining me. And that's such a cool, yeah, it's such a cool space to be in. Um, so I guess to say, yeses are not always easy. Actually, even if you're like resounding yes to something that God is calling you to, it might still not be easy and it won't always be easy. Um, but what does God have for you in that? Um, what does he have for you in this season of saying yes to things, the little things and the big things of this transition and being part of this church? And like Josh said, if you are new, maybe your yes is really just like, should I be here? And I hope you stay. Like, I hope you um, 
continue to live life with us, and that would be so wonderful. Um, but it's okay. Like, that's okay if that's your version of yes right now. Not. Anyway. Um, but also just, like, if you've been here, the, discern the, the discernment of being here with us in this season of who is our, like, who are we? Who do we want to be? Who does God want us to be? Where is God leading us? Um, is really important, and every single one of you um, are important in that for us. So as um, the staff team, the board, the elders will be working um, on the transition and um, really just like hope it, hopefully leaving, leaving the church well, um, kind of in the background, like you guys are welcome to be communicating with us. Um, your dreams, your visions, your questions, your concerns. Um, there will be an email, transitions, transitions um, with an S at elmcityvineyard.org. Or you can always um, talk to Patrick, me, or Josh at any time that you see us. Um, I'm usually in this like white tent in the back because of mosquitoes. But um, yeah, uh, we just welcome you to discern with us. Um, be open to how God speaks to you. Um, yeah, thanks. Hey everybody. Uh, in honor of Tracy, this is something Tracy does really well. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to like take a deep breath for a moment. Let's just like slow down. Exhale now. That's very good. Um, we are, well, I, I want to just uh, take a moment to kind of affirm something of, of what Tracy said. It is normal. It is natural in a way that you hear what Josh uh has just shared with us about his transition and you think to yourself awesome josh so happy for you so happy for the vineyard what does this mean for me um and you might even think like josh is <laughs> josh is leaving well looks like uh that's about time i guess well let's let's wrap things up here at ecv that's actually a normal thing not a wrong thing or even a selfish thing uh to think what we ask is simply that you would invite Jesus into that question, into that reflection and discernment that you are doing. It is certainly, as, as Tracy reiterated, it is certainly true for Josh, for the other pastors, for all of our elders, that we uh, have been committed since the beginning to believing that this church belongs to Jesus and exists for the sake of Jesus. And so we, uh, it is, well, it is because of Jesus that Josh was called here in the first place. It was because of Jesus that Josh is called in to this new role. And it is because of who Jesus is that we have aspired and longed to be who we are and who we are becoming in this place. It is because of Jesus that we have been so interested in hearing from and living with the Holy Spirit that he sent as our counselor. It is because of Jesus that we have been so interested in becoming ever more radical in our pursuit of justice for this city so that people might know God as he is. This, in this city, the city that has been hurting and grieving and struggling and wrestling against the powers and principalities, we have wanted people to know God in his justice for the sake of Jesus. It's because of Jesus that we have wanted to grow in pursuing one another in honesty and in risk, in love, as the multi-ethnic church, reflecting God's kingdom. So, Jesus isn't going anywhere. And Jesus isn't going anywhere in his own mission to this city. And so the task for us remains the same, to listen, to reflect, and to pursue Jesus as he is going about his work in this place. 
One of the things that God often has as an invitation for me um, during times of uncertainty is kind of the inverse of uh, when things are going really smoothly, when things are really easy. It, even for me, it's easy to take God for granted at certain moments. And it is moments of transition. It is moments of uh, new possibility, but also moments when I confront my fears that, that God is right there kind of nudging me saying, hey, you, you know we can just walk through this together, right? You know that you can kind of double down on God in this time. You know that I'm here to speak with you, to, to listen to you, to guide you through this time. And so that's what we will continue to pursue. And we will continue to pursue it together. We will continue to seek that, to listen to the Holy Spirit for ourselves, but also for one another, to speak God's words to one another, to listen through you all, to what God has for us in this next season. So we are going to continue to pray, lots of opportunities uh, to reflect and consider. One of the things that we will do now to kind of affirm this even willingness to pursue God together is to take communion. So I'm going to invite Josh back up to lead us in communion. If you need, uh, if you don't have a little communion cup and you would like one, please raise your hand and we will pass one out. Thanks, Patrick, and thanks, Tracy. I'm so thankful that we have an ancient faith and a faith where, again, yeses have actually uh, borne fruit through centuries, even millennia. One of the yeses that does that is not just the institution of communion, but also the yes of Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus said yes to come and be with us in incarnation, to actually live among us, among humanity. He said yes to uh, heal our bodies. He said yes to teach us wisdom. He said yes to free us from evil and deliver us from evil. He said yes as we were invited to be with him and to become like him. And even said yes to taking up his own cross, dying like a common criminal of the day. We see the cross as this incredibly uh, beautiful religious symbol. It was just a way criminals were killed. That's how Jesus entered the cross, and it's how he still enters the cross, and it's how we still enter suffering in ordinary ways. So we acknowledge the yes of Jesus, but we don't just acknowledge it. We take it in, and we say we want to imitate it. I want to invite you to open up uh, the bread part <laughs> of the container. This is the body of Christ, and through the yes of Jesus, it was broken for us. Take it in right now to your own body and say yes to Jesus. This could be a yes that's for your umpteenth time, or if you're deciding to follow Jesus for the first time today with us, it might be your first time here at ECV, and still wondering what this is all about, but you're saying yes to this ancient story, welcome. Now take this cup, which is the blood of Jesus, shed for you and drink it. Say yes to God as you do. Through the body and the blood broken and shed, Jesus started a new thing that we can enter into. Everlasting covenant of love. And it's a love that says yes, today, tomorrow, always. I want to invite the worship team to come up. And I want to pray for us. God, you're doing a new thing amongst us. We look and behold it and say yes. God, where our yes is timid, help us. Where our yes is eager, help us. Where our yes is shaking, help us. Where we don't have a yes yet, help us.
be with us, God. I pray as we worship you right now through music that you would come alive in our hearts and that we could receive your invitation. Say yes, go deeper, collectively in the unknown. And would that channel forward into eternity? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.